And welcome back, George Norrie, along with Rich Martini. Rich, how can we access our divine counsels? Can you uh, do it through hypnotherapy, of course? Any other ways? The other way is a very simple guided meditation. Really? Yeah. I mean, I can show it to you right now if you want me to. Yeah, how do you do that? All right, so, George, picture yourself in a boat on a river. Just any kind of boat. Any kind of boat. What's the boat? Tell me what it looks like. Oh, it's a little 20-footer. little 20-footer? Is it made out of uh, plywood or wood or what? Uh, it's probably made out of uh, something floatable. <laughs> okay. And is there a sail or no sail? It's a motorboat. Does this boat look familiar to you, something you know? No. Okay. And then tell me about the water we're in. It's a lake in Missouri, and it's quiet. Okay, so you're from Missouri, and so you know this lake. Yes. But you don't know the boat. Correct. Uh, Look around the boat. How many seats are there here? Eight. Eight seats. Okay. I just want you to put someone across from you to sit in the boat. A friend or who? Uh, It could be a friend. It could be someone who passed away. It could be Don Rickles. All right, I'll put Rickles in there. Okay. So just pretend that Don is sitting across from you. Now, how does he look? Young, old? Same. Same as we've known Rickles to look. As you met him, right? Did he look like he did when you met him? A little younger, maybe. A little younger, okay. Not too much. Not much, but still, it's new information because, you know, it's not always how you saw them last. So I want Don to do us a huge favor and nod shake his head no or shrug his shoulders. And I'm going to ask him this very simple question. Don, can I ask you a question? And he's shaking his head yes, but he's He's got a big smile. Are you familiar with what we're doing, Don? He said no. Did you put this idea in my head to invite you to come and sit in the boat? He said maybe. Okay, then try not to judge the answer, whatever it is. And so maybe it's closer from my mind to yes, because, of course, you know, I know that, you know, and you and I, you you know that I had a conversation with Don off planet, and he told me about you coming backstage to visit him. Yep, I did. And we talked about the next time I was on the show. So, Don, let me just ask you, because I I know that on the flip side, you're not as hilarious as you were in life. I don't want to characterize that, but... How is George doing? Give me a, a gesture. Like, meh, not so good. Thumbs down, thumbs up. He did a thumbs up with a funny smirk. Okay, <laughs> very good. Thumbs up with a funny smirk. And what's one thing that if you could tell it to George, what would it be? What, what's one thing you want to tell George? Saddam Hussein is dead. Why do you look like him? <laughs> <laughs> okay. He is funny on the flip side. He is. He thinks he is, at least. He thinks he is. Oh, well, that's pretty good. I'm sorry I didn't mean to laugh so loud. But, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So, listen, let's just, if we were making it up, let's pretend we were making it up. We got a huge laugh out of it. That's a value. The other thing is, while you're picturing your loved one or a friend or whoever it is, you're not thinking about your problems. You're just focused on your friend. And you're examining what do they look like, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is crazy. Can I actually ask them a question and get an answer? 
And what I and the recommendation is this: you ask maybe ten questions, maybe twenty questions, maybe write them down before you could think before of them. You do it. And ask questions you don't know the answers to: who greeted you when you crossed over? Or what are you doing now? Who are you hanging out with? Whatever they are, when you get an answer before you even ask the question, you'll know you've made a connection. What What is the boat for? So the boat is just a, a way to put your mind in a specific place. That's why I choose a boat in the water. We can all imagine it, even if you've never been in a boat. In could be any place. It could be inside of a cathedral or a church. It could something. be. That's true. But what happens is you, everybody brings so many other things to it. Well, what I usually do is at this point, I'll ask your guide to show up and say, can we go and visit George's council? And they can say, no, he's not ready to. Or they can say, yeah, sure, let's. And then I'll ask, I, so what does your council look like? Are we inside or outside? And when I say that, what comes to mind, George? Good question. Inside or outside? Inside. Inside. And now look at the floor. Is it a wood floor? Is it a marble floor? Is it dirt? I'm leading you, but whatever. It's a floor. What it's, does it look like? It's kind of tiled. Out of tile. Okay, very good. Does it look familiar? No, it does not. Okay, and now look around. Can you see in the distance? Are there any individuals here? There's nobody there. All right, so let's ask George's council to come into the cathedral, into this place. Whoever it is that wants to talk to us, let's not judge it. And when I say that, how many people can you see or are you aware of? Four or five people, all friends or family members who have passed. Okay, very good. So let's start with them. And and are, how are they arrayed? Are they standing, sitting? They're walking in. They're walking in. Okay. And so can when they stop, are they in a row or are they in a circle? or? They're sitting down like in pews. Okay, very good. Let's go to the first person on the far left. And now just... Try to observe that person, and and first I want to thank them for allowing us to talk to them. And let me ask, is it okay if I ask you a question? She said yes. And so don't t- describe this person. You said it's a male. How is he old? No, this, is, this one's a female. A female, okay. And just describe her. Is she old, young? Uh, she's in her 50s. This is my sister who passed. Very good. What's her first name, if you don't mind? Linda. So this allows me so I can refer to each person. So Linda. Glinda. Let, Glinda with a G. Okay, Glinda. Let me ask you, so are, do you represent a person on George's council? Is that yes or no? She said she represents herself. Okay, very good. Are you familiar with my work talking to councils? She's heard our show before. Okay, very good. And so let me ask you, how is George doing? Very good. Surprisingly good. Isn't that interesting? It's a little better than the last one, right? Surprisingly good. That's fantastic. Do you think that our conversation, talking to you and talking to divine counselors is going to help people? I'm not sure. Could, maybe, maybe not. Okay, very good. Could you introduce us to the person to your left? Is that a male or a female? It's a male. It's my father, her father. All right, and let me ask her, uh, what do you represent in this group, if, if in a word, if you do? This is to my father or to my sister? To your sister. So I forgot to ask. She just says she was invited. Okay, very good. And how about your dad? 
Let me ask your dad this. Who greeted you when you crossed over, sir? His family members. His family members. Okay. And was that a surprise or was that what you expected? He did not expect it. Oh, very good. And so what do you think of this conversation we're having now? Typical of my son, George. (laughs) (laughs) So do you talk with George often? I watch him and monitor him, but I don't talk to him often. Okay, very good. So this is an opportunity for you guys to have a little bit of a conversation. What is it you'd like to tell him? And please, if it's something that he doesn't already know, please tell it to him. And you don't have to say it on the air, George, if you don't want to. But go ahead. What what does your dad want to say? Just that he's proud of the way everything has turned out. Well, that's pretty. That's nice. I mean, that's not everybody. Doesn't get much better than that. Doesn't get much better than that. And is there anything you want to uh, let George know that he needs to alter? And again, you don't have to say it out loud, but if there is, would you tell it to him now? Something he needs to work on. He's shaking his head no. No. Okay, very good. Is Is there a lead person in this group of friends? Is there somebody who's sort of the spokesperson? No, they're all a little confused. Okay, they're all a little bit surprised to be here. So, well, let me ask. Uh, let me ask your dad. Is George's counsel available to come forward to talk to us? They wish not to at this point. Okay, very good. Thank you. And that's fine. Because well, Why is you know, that, though, Rich? Not everybody wants you to know who's your counsel. It's not, it's, I've had one person say that they had gotten kicked out when they tried to go into the council. And then they called me up, and we we went back, and I found you know I found out why. So so this is but but the important part of it is is this space. And when you look around, are there um, how tall are the ceilings? Oh, it's a huge uh, building. And let me ask your dad: Is this George's building, or is this just a building you guys have stopped by? It's just a building that was there. Okay, very good. And does it represent anything uh, in George's journey? Not necessarily. Okay, very good. I have heard somebody say that their cathedral represented all the people they've helped over many lifetimes, that the cathedral itself was representative of that. And in your case, George, you have helped so many people so much in this lifetime. I could understand if they would say that. So let me ask your dad to do this. Let's step outside. Yeah, let's wrap it up pretty soon. You've got calls coming in, Richie. All so right, very good. But let's send my counsel away. And show George some wonderful thing that you've experienced over there on the flip side. Just one thing. What would it be? That it continues. That it continues. Okay, that is a wonderful thing to know. All right, thank you, George. And, you know, whether it's true or not, it's still a fun thing to do. Now, how do I know it's real or not to myself? Like I say, if you keep asking questions, when you get an answer, you haven't even thought of the question. And suddenly you see you're like your brother's face. And, like, the question was going to be, you know, who who do I need to call? And you hadn't even thought of it. But you, they answer it because they're outside of time. They kind of know what you're going to ask. So that's that's the key. When you get an answer before you can even ask the question, then you know you're connected. Joe in the Bronx, let's start with you, Joseph. Welcome to the program. Hi, hey, Joe. Hey, George. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. That was very interesting. It was. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to ask Rich. Rich, hi. Um, hi, Joe. I, 
I wanted to ask you last time, or maybe a previous time before that, you mentioned uh, musicians sometimes encountering Jimi Hendrix on the other side. Um, does that hold true for other professions like actors, maybe meeting up with a famous actor um, and uh, writers also meeting up with famous writers and so on? Well, it's interesting that Jimi Hendrix showed up initially in one of these conversations that I had, and it was talking to uh, Harry Dean Stanton, the actor who had passed away, and, and I was talking to him about what happened, because he was a total skeptic, didn't believe in the afterlife, and then he starts describing this event that he, he thought he was in a dream. He was on his way to the Monterey Pop Festival, and at some point he said he, he was there with Jimi Hendrix. What was unusual about this is that I knew other people that drove with him and to that event. And so when we got to Jimi Hendrix, I asked him the same questions I ask everybody. And then, apropos of nothing, you know, so maybe four or five, six times later on, people would say, I'd say, who greeted you on the other side? And they'd say, Jimi Hendrix. And they'd say, and then I'd ask him, like, why did you do that? And he said, because they recognize me immediately, and they're no longer afraid of the journey. And it's almost like he, I guess, you know, maybe because he had a shortened life, but everyone recognizes him, and he enjoys playing this role of somebody who greets people on the other side, especially musicians. And more than once we've had musicians who passed away say, you know, I what was your experience crossing over? And they go, I'm on a darkened stage, and then there's a spotlight, and I see that I'm on stage, and the band is waiting for me to play. That's their experience. And they look over, and they see Jimi Hendrix is, like, leading the song. Uh, it's it's kind of mind-bending, but I wouldn't say that it's a celebrity thing, even though he, of course, is super famous. But just in terms of people asking them, you know, who greeted you, most people will say they're family members. Sometimes they'll say animals, pets. Sometimes they'll say somebody that they knew and loved uh, that was very close to them. Uh, but in general, I would say that Jimmy is the person who's shown up the most in terms of I, you know, I, the book Hack, Backstage Pass to the Flipside. We have three of them, and then Tuning into the Afterlife with Jennifer Schaefer. Um, I would say that he's the one who shows up the most. Let's go to Marcy in San Diego, west of the Rockies. Hey, Marcy, go ahead. Hi, Marcy. Hi. I've been wondering about something about the other side for years. All right. I have heard conflicting reports about is there or is there not food and eating on the other side. And uh, one person that had a near-death experience said she went down a beautiful river and people were having a picnic on the bank and enjoying, you know, they looked so happy. And then... Um, and then one lady said uh, her, her she met her grandmother on the other side, and she smelled like her favorite apple pie spice. Her grandma loved to make her apple pie. And I just wondered, and then I heard one psychic say, well, you won't have a body when you get over there, so there's there's no food. And uh, I really, I've, well, I've, that's a, that's a weird supposition, right? That's somebody projecting. But you're you're absolutely correct because people – because think about what is taste. Taste is a mental construct because, of course, it, you touch the food to your mouth and it goes, it tells the signals, you know, the nerve endings go up to your brain and then tells you what, it, what this flavor is. So that's a mental construct. And people report 
that on the flip side they can cook they can create any they can create alcohol but if somebody joked about it they said but you can't get drunk cuz there's no brain but you can taste any food create any food we did have somebody, uh, Carl Lumley, the guy who founded Universal, came through, and I said, what are you doing now? And he said, I'm, I'm trying all these different salts from different parts of the universe. He said, each one is a completely different flavor. So the answer is, if you can construct the mental image of a taste, a sound, or, or playing a sport, or whatever it is, you can do that on the flip side. There's no food. You're not going to get fat, a little bit like Albert Brooks's movie, Defending Your Life. Um, you won't get any weight, but definitely you can taste. And we have bodies. Yeah, well, we have the projection of bodies because when we run into another light, you know, we want them to recognize us as that fellow they loved, you know, back when we were young and handsome and in our 20s. And that's what people project as a, as a visual. Rich, we got a minute plus before the break. Uh, give out your website, and uh, where can we still get your books? So let's see, uh, richmartini.com, martinizone.com is where Jennifer and I have our podcast visually, but a lot of book talks. All my books are on Amazon and and other places. Uh, divinecouncils.com, I, you know, I, I go out and I get that website. Um, and uh, on Gaia, our Hacking the Afterlife movie, which I recommend a lot of people watch because it gives you a whole flavor of everything I'm talking about because there's hypnotherapy, there's mediumship, and there's also guided meditation. That's great. And uh, Gaia, of course, is available to everybody at Gaia.com. That's right. And are we going to do another Beyond Belief, George? I hope. Absolutely, Rich. <laughs> Very good. Um yeah, that's it, richmartini.com, pretty much so. Absolutely. And uh, Divine Counsels in the Afterlife, this book, which came out last year, still available? Still available. I've got a new book out. Um, it's called The Greatest Story Never Told as Told by Jesus and Those Who Knew Him. So it's an un very unusual, but it's not me. It's just people telling a story where where they claim that they saw him or heard him or et cetera, et cetera. We're going to come back and take final calls with Rich Martini in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori back with our final segment with Rich Martini. Rich, let's go right back to the phones. Rudy in Alabama's with us. Welcome to the program. Hey, Rudy. Hey, George, how are you doing, sir? Wonderful. Uh, listen, there's a really bad story happened yesterday. I'm sure you've heard of it in Allentown, Pennsylvania. My sister was shot by her ex-husband. Oh, my God. Tuesday, um, 7 o'clock at night, just about 30 hours ago or so. Um, just tell me whatever you could see, whatever you get. Patricia White. Okay. So, okay, Rudy, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, you know, as you know, I'm a, a filmmaker, I work with mediums, and, I, uh, and I've been doing this research for a long time. And I, what I can tell you is that your sister, uh, is that what you said? Yeah, your sister. Yeah, sister. She's, she still exists, and she can be spoken to as reassured as well as ask her questions about what happened or why this had, et cetera, et cetera. And I recommend uh, three methods. But before I get to that, I mentioned this earlier, this idea that grief is so powerful and so overwhelming. And we heard that somebody said, 
grief can be helped by moving it to nostalgia. Of course, it's too soon for you to, to do that, but it's something you might consider in the future. I would recommend reaching out to a medium, someone like Jennifer Schaefer, jenniferschaefer.com. Just mention the show, mention my name uh, to her person, and she will very likely put you in touch with your sister without even saying anything other than her first name. She's quite good at that. I've seen her do it on many occasions. And when there's an emergency, something like this, she's very helpful with people. Um, and then you've heard me mention about hypnotherapy and meditation. And that is, it's a little stressful and hard to do because the emotions are so uh, raw. It's uh, Meditation requires a certain amount of being able to just relax and sort of go with the flow and, and open yourself up to these things. But I will say this based on everything that I've learned over the past 10 to 12 years filming people, that no one disappears. They all return home. If they aren't home immediately, they eventually will be. And you can be very helpful by reaching out to them to say, I love you and I miss you. And, and if you can come and talk to me, that would be fantastic. And sometimes that that is a way for them to realize that life goes on, that these startling things that happen can also be startling to them as well. And also to do prayers. I mean, the simplest thing what people will say is pray, but pray and, and meditation are in the same ballpark. And sort of asking for loved ones to come forward, for teachers to come forward, for, you know, relatives to come forward to help out. Anyway, George. Rich, did you ever run into the devil on the flip side? <laughs> Other than in my mirror in the morning? No. Um, I will say this, George. In all the research I've done, the thousands of cases I've examined from Dr. Wamba, Dr. Weiss, Michael Newton, and the 200 I've filmed, everyone says the same thing, that evil and the devil and that Santa guy or the guy with the uh, same letters but different spelling, they all are human constructs that people hmm. who experience those things in a near-death experience, remember we talked about it, 1% to 3% have a negative experience. None of those details ever match. And in the case of, of uh, the book Architecture of the Afterlife, we interview someone anybody might consider a demon, a gargoyle. There's no other way to describe him. But once we started talking to him and asking him where he's from, he talked about being from another realm. And he said it's not his fault that people are terrified when, they, when he appears or they see him. He said I, most people don't, but those who do are, get terrified. And so we sort of extrapolate all these things. And I know that there's scriptures and texts and all that stuff that talk about demonic stuff. I, all I can say is it's not in the data, it's not in the research, and it's not in any of the footage. The opposite is that we return home, that the people that we think were evil may be playing a role to force us to learn something. Anyway, I, all I can say is people who did misbehave, they do have a life review, and everything that they did to somebody else, they get to experience firsthand. Let's go to Carlos in Miami, east of the Rockies. Welcome, Carlos. Hi, Carlos. Uh, good morning, uh, George. It's a pleasure. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Carlos. Rich, it's a pleasure. Uh, great, great uh, host and, and uh, uh, guest. Uh, okay, my story is, uh, you, you, you won't believe it. Uh, 
very few people believe it, but uh, those that do will, will be at ease. Uh, my father uh, was living in Argentina. I'm originally from Argentina, and I got a phone call that he had a stroke, and I was asked to fly over immediately because they didn't tell me, they couldn't guarantee me how long he was going to be uh, alive. And yeah. I finally made it. When I got there, he had already passed away. And I was so devastated uh, burying him, uh, you know, at, at the um, at the funeral that uh, I, I basically uh, left my body momentarily. Hmm. And uh, I, I did, uh, you know, it was an OBE, auto body experience. Mm-hmm. And when I returned into my body, I, I was floating. I think it, it, it looked to me like I was there like an hour. Uh, but it was a matter of seconds because I saw myself at the cemetery and the height was about a thousand feet, something like that. And I could mm-hmm. see cars going by the walls, uh, by, by, you know, uh, around the, the, the perimeter of the, of the uh, cemetery. And when I returned in my body, uh, I heard my, my father talk to me and I had to turn around because I thought he was right behind me. Uh, I couldn't understand. And he said to me, Carlos, the body means nothing. What matters is your spirit. I'm returning to Miami with you. And I did searching for that, you know, what, what was the meaning behind all this? And I went to see a priest. I'm Jewish, but I went to see a priest because my ex-wife was Jewish. I was Catholic. And I went mm-hmm. to see the priest. And the priest said to me, it was your father. You didn't make that up. I said, why do you say that, Father? He says, because your father spoke to you in code. In code, how so? But your father said, what matters is the spirit. He didn't say what matters is your soul. If you're down here on this planet, when I give sermons, I talk about the soul. I never talk about the spirit. The spirit is when you're on the other side. So he did talk to me, according to the, the priest. And I, I, I tend to believe that. I, I, I mean, I heard well, him. Carlos, I, I can I, tell I, you, I, and thank you for sharing that story. I can tell you that based on, you know, the amount of footage that I've shot of people talking about these events, not only did he speak to you, but it, that idea, the code, is something we should all hear, that he still exists, they still exist, and he says the box nothing. It's not that it's less than important. But it's not as important as your heart. So if you want to call heart and spirit the same things, because that's what connects all of us, your spirit might be more, you could consider it consciousness. We bring of our conscious energy to a lifetime, and the rest stays home. So we're all connected, almost like Christmas tree lights on a big tree. We're all connected to each other. So that idea of the most important thing is spirit, and that is the connection between all of us, between father and son, between me and George, between me, you, and George. We're all connected, and we just don't see it. But if we can allow that it's possible, it changes who we are. Next up, let's go to Jeremy in North Dakota. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jeremy. Hello. I have a really serious question. All right. 19 years, 6 months, and 7 days ago, I was in a nearly fatal auto accident. Immediately, I was in a coma for a little over two and a half months. Where was I during that two and a half months? When he was in a coma, Rich, where was he? In limbo? <laughs> well, here's the thing. 
So in, in the research, I've had conversations with people in coma. I've had conversations with people who have severe dementia. And it goes with what I just mentioned a few minutes ago. People report that prior to incarnation, we are fully aware, fully conscious, that we plan our lifetimes as best as we can, and we bring a portion of our conscious energy, not until after the fourth month of gestation, they all report, and that portion of our conscious energy is within us. So as you get older, as you, let's say you go into a coma, let's say you, you uh, get dementia, people report uh, that they've retained about 10% of their conscious energy. The rest of it is back home. So even though we aren't consciously aware of where we are being back home, obviously, we can ask people back home. So I was asking my friend's father. My friend's father was in hospice care. I knew him very well. And I asked him, what's it like? He said, well, it's like leaving a leg in the pool. He said, the rest of me is already back home. And eventually, about two weeks later, he did pass. But I asked him, so why are you lingering? Why are you still staying? He said, I've got to have all my grandchildren come to say goodbye to me. So it's that idea that we, we have these filters that block that information from us. But you can, through a hypnotherapist or through a medium or through meditation, access your higher self or your guides and say, what's up? Why, am I, why have I only got like 10%? like functioning and they'll say to you well it's because the rest of you is back home good point james in virginia take it away james hey james hey george i don't have enough time to tell the gentleman there that everything he says goes against the bible as far as i know the old testament and the new testament that we're going to be judged one day in the white throne judgment and that takes care of the reincarnation pretty much and jesus right, says well, hold on, hang on whoa whoa hold on there you know, we've had a number of conversations with people talking about the Bible from the flip side. And here's what they say. The Bible is metaphor. It's the way poetry is written. It's good for people. It's great for helping people find their spirituality. But it's not a cookbook. It's not a math book. It's not a doctor's manual. It's not a science book. And what people say is consistent and reproducible, which is what data becomes. So I've been talking to people on the flip side for over 10 years. They tell me new information, but they also tell me that all religions point to the same garden. They also tell me that the Bible is metaphor. That doesn't mean less or it's a pejorative. It's a wonderful book, a fantastic book that can help people, but it's not meant to be used as a weapon. And that's why it's important to act, to talk amongst your friends and your loved ones. Have you ever heard from Aunt Betty or Uncle Pete? And when they tell you they have, instead of saying, well, you're, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't know that, just allow that it's possible. Let's go to Joe in Monterey, California. Squeeze you in here, Joseph. Go ahead. Hey, Joe. Hey, George. I'll, I'll see if I could be quick about this. You know how long-winded I can be. Yes. <laughs> um, but I've got well, the button. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So uh, there are three spiritual orders. I'll get right down to that brass uh, tax. Uh, there are three spiritual orders and the entire universe. And I think uh, doing past lives or in between lives is very important. I do that type of work. It's one of the different things I do f for my life's purpose. Um, 
we are all at different levels, and we will all know things at that level. And the higher you get, the more you have to have experiences that go beyond that. And, yes, my guide does not talk to me. Joe, let me ask you, because you did reach out to me on Facebook. Let me ask you, why do you think you chose this lifetime? Well, I know why. Tell us. Tell us. Uh, Why did you? To help people? I I rather not talk about that because that goes that, that's at the soul level, and that's personal between me and uh, a spiritual hierarchy. Okay. No, I'm, I didn't mean to pry. You know, I've asked George this question, and you can see clearly that George has helped people all over the planet with what he's doing, talking to people about their variety of belief systems, but also about the data that's involved. And so when you focus on the data and you focus on what people's experiences are, we can all share this information with each other. So part of the reason I think we're all on the planet is to open our hearts to other people, to allow, and I, you know, I apologize, I didn't mean to cut you off. I know we only have so much time. 30 but seconds left, by the way. It's the idea that we can all find each other, find ourselves in each other. Love your neighbor as yourself because your neighbor is yourself. Your neighbor's made up of the same conscious energy. We're all here trying to learn something, and we're all just walking each other home. It's so important to at least let forgive and you know let live, allow that people are different, but at the same time allow that you're here for a reason. Love yourself, then you can love the people around you. Rich, my friend, until next time, stay in touch, all right? It's always great, George. Thank you so much. Rich Martini, Flipside, and his website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean Ladesour, Stephanie Smith, Chris Boros, Tim Banal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett, I'm George Norrie. Somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM, we'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.